No crying. There's no crying in baseball. Card counters at the blackjack table. We're going to turn the odds on the casino. What's up, friends? Welcome to episode number 10 of Terrace Talk. Um, and we're officially underway. The grind, the marathon, 162 games. Um, we're three down, boys. A uh, lot, uh, lot of things to take away from this weekend. Some exciting baseball. Um, some of the same warts showed up the last couple of days. Um, and some electric performances from, you know, uh, I mean, we're going to lead it off with the story of the weekend. It came in a loss. Uh, Corbin Burns, um, absolutely filthy, uh, you know, kind of establishing himself as an absolute an ace. I mean, you had the likes of Jeff Passan, Pitching Ninja was all over him again. Um, you know, Mike Petriello, uh Ken Rosenthal. I mean, I don't know. We retreated all, all of them, um, but Corbin is gaining that national attention. So how are we feeling, boys? Big first weekend under books. Corbin dominated. We got to see it live. How's it going? Yeah, boss, you're the kind of the leader of the Corbin Burns train, so I'll let you take a stab at this first before I give my take. Yeah, I mean, dude was fun to watch. I mean, we were sitting kind of on the side. Uh, we were all actually all at the game, This the Corbin Burns game. So we were sitting on the side and we couldn't really see the action on those cutters and sliders and two seamers, but he was just racking up the K's at just like a ferocious rate. Like, I mean, we kind of looked at each other through the, during the game. We we're like, wow, it's a six inning already. And both teams had no hits. I mean, Barrios was on his game as well. Um, but Burns, man, that dude's going to be fun to watch every fifth day. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys like prime time, Ben sheets, prime Giovanni prime, uh, I think saying Prime Yovani is disrespectful to what Corbin Burns could be, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, no, what I'm getting at is like well, when, those, when, <laughs> when, when those when those dudes are on the hill, they always have like that no-hitter vibe when you get to the park. You're like, yeah. we can see a no-hitter today. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, I got what you're going with because I like the Ben Sheets comparison because he had some filthy years himself. Um, yeah, man, he's uh, it's it's really cool. It's a homegrown potential Cy Young award winner for the next five years while he's under contract. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's freaking sick, man. I mean, 30 times a year, um, you know, if he's healthy seeing him, it's, it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure. I want to start this by saying that I think there are three places that are probably the hardest places to understand what happens in between closed doors. The first is area 51 the second is the Pentagon, and the third is David Stern's pitching lab. Because whatever he did with Corbin Burns, it is just absolutely jaw-dropping. 
I mean, we were there in person and you kind of just see them going in and you see bats missing them by a foot, two feet. And you don't really, when you're in person, you, especially when you're sitting on the sides, you don't really see the movement, but as you know, the diehards we are, we're following the game on Twitter, on GameCast, and you see the pitches that are being televised. And it's just like Corbin's throwing 98 mile an hour sinkers to back up with a 96, 97 mile an hour cutter. Then he's throwing 91 mile an hour changeups. And now he's trusting a 80, 81 mile an hour curveball. That is in the becoming in the, from a ceiling perspective, the DeGrom Scherzers of the National League. And I, maybe I'm overhyped and, and maybe we don't see this Corbin all here, but I am very certain that the Brewers now have a perennial Cy Young candidate for as long as he's in Milwaukee. And this is something that we touched on in the spring where his ceiling was much higher than Woodruff's. That is exactly what we saw on Saturday. Barros probably outpitched him because he didn't give up a hit and didn't give up a run. He made Corbin made one mistake to um, Buxton. I'll but, even say I don't even know if that was a mistake. That no right. on the outside of the play. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it was like lower left quadrant cutter, and Buxton yeah. was just looking there. But either way, I mean it's it's on his line and things like yeah. that. So um, yeah, it's just I, I was so mind and, and Barros had good stuff too, but I was still and could be biased, but I was in jaw drop as to the movement that Corbin was throwing, the mixing of his, his pitches. And it is just me. I, I, I can't wait until his next start. I mean, we have a lot of rotation arms that I get excited for, but it's just like, you can fast forward to Corbin's next start for me. Yeah. He's facing Adam Wainwright on Thursday for those that are interested. So uh, circle that one. That's a three fifteen start on Thursday afternoon um against Wainwright so uh just just so everyone's fully aware and you know make that appointment television on a weekly basis that's for sure um yeah so uh had to jump right to Saturday to start uh we'll be we'll be closely paying attention to uh the progression of Corbin Burns career as uh you know we've uh, we're, we weren't the first ones on it, but uh, if actually, you know what, Mitch L, you were the first one on it. You tweeted on draft day. So I don't yeah, know how many more. It's my, pin, it's my pinned tweet and it's going yeah. to be like bannered at my funeral. So yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why I was downplaying that so much. Uh, we were, we were both pretty early on that. Right. Uh, and even though some people wanted to trade him away because uh, we had Alec Bettinger and Dylan File on, <laughs> on the team, um, thankfully the, the Brewers front office isn't, uh, isn't you know, writing for a Brewer blog of sort. Right. right. And before we go into some of the other games, I do want to mention for our listeners, for those of you obviously that weren't at opening day or on Saturday, some ballpark tips um, with us being there and, and with us being in a unique situation. Um, just so everyone knows, all of – uh, AmFam is uh, cashless, uh, so make sure you are bringing credit cards and debit cards. I think there actually may be an option to buy like some sort of like brewer like Visa card where you can like put money on a card and, and use it in stadium. Um, <clears throat> they're pretty, everything's open. So like you have all the small stands like the Dippin' Dots and stuff like that, that's all open. Uh, but for now, they're not allowing fans to congregate or talk in the concourse. Um, so it's pretty much you know, if you want to go get a drink, go get food. You can also order from the app, download, download the ballpark app, super user-friendly app. Um, but, you know, make sure you have a plan to get to your seats. Um, go to the bathroom accordingly because they have, you know, every other stall or uh, urinal blocked off. 
Um, so make sure you're kind of doing that accordingly. But yeah, plan on, on going to the game to watch the game because they're kind of taking out all of that other interaction for now, um, which I think at some point it'll probably open back up. But it was just, it was good to hear the crowd back there. And I will say for 12,000 people, that place can still get pretty loud. So um, if you have the chance and, and are able to go see the crew in person, you know, help the, help the brewers out, go watch them. Um, it, you know, I felt super safe there. Everyone was wearing masks. Um, event staff was super helpful. Um, so yeah, get out and watch the crew. Yeah, Mitch, now that you bring that up, I mean, you could get to the bathroom and back to your seat, like, and only miss like a batter if that, I mean, if you go during the game, which I mean, none of us do, but like in between innings we do, but I mean, I felt like sitting, like it was pretty well spread out, but I feel like they can add a ton more seats. You know what I mean? I felt like there was like 10 feet gap between little like pods of people. So, I mean, I know they're going to talk about it after this weekend series. I'm, I'm assuming everything went well that they can open up a little bit more. Um, I think they definitely have the room and the means to do that. I mean, I know they're planning for like 30 some percent, um, but the city only gave them what 20, 25 or whatever. Right. So, I mean, I think they have that kind of layout in their pocket, ready to, ready to let it rip. And breaking news too, uh, AmFam has added 16 ounce Vizzies to uh, the menu of alcohol. So I indulged in a couple of those over the weekend. Fantastic. Pineapple mango, huge fan of uh, pineapple mango. So uh, if you like your seltzers, uh, Vizzies. I'm not going to lie. I thought you were going like a super like serious, like Ken Rosenthal tweeted breaking news and you went <laughs> with the 16 ounce Vizzies. Man, that uh, that was a roller coaster for me there momentarily. I was all perked up, ready to hear some news. Um, very important stuff, though. Um, well, anyway, so we jumped into Saturday. Brewers lose Saturday 2-0. Uh, Corbin got taken out after he gave up that oppo bomb to Byron Buxton, who continued to, to kill the Brewers and the games that he did play before he got sick today. Um the, the highlight of the weekend, um, minus Burns, you know, phenomenal start was Thursday, um, opening day, comeback victory. Uh, Brewers are down five to two going into the ninth inning and uh, um, ended up scraping together um, some, you know, decent at bats, uh, followed up by a Twins air. And then Travis Shaw gapped a double in his first game back with the Brewers, which had to feel pretty good for him. Uh, we saw Josh Hader throw 100, throw 11 pitches, I think strike out three guys on those 11 pitches. Um, he was uh, also the talk of Thursday. Uh, Woodruff was okay, struggled putting guys away, um, and Yardley gave up a, a monster moonshot to Buxton. Um, and then, yeah, we got that uh, the California rule is back. Runner starts on second base. Um Omar hits a single. Uh, Omar's looked good the first uh, at the plate, the first three games here. Um, and then Orlando just chops one, you know, comes up clutch, I guess. Um, at least he didn't strike out like we saw a lot this weekend. He put the ball in play and good things happen when you put the ball in play. Uh, Locaine got a good jump and he scored from third um, and had a, a fun opening day at AmFam. So, Whew, what were your boys' takeaway on opening day? It was really cool to see the the mayor, Mitch, your boy, um, come up clutch in a couple different at-bats um, in his first game back with the Brewers. Yeah, Travis is just – he's a big league hitter. He's been in the league now for you know, five, six-plus years, um, and he puts together great at-bats. I know, you know there will be times where he'll get into slumps, and uh, as long as he can keep his K percentage down, which I've been pretty open about in our podcast, uh, I think Travis is going to be above league average hitter. Um, so it was nice to see him kind of jump on that first pitch. I will say, um, 
you know, Colm did not have his stuff that day. He was just hanging sliders and kind of just cement mixing it in there. And Travis jumped on a, you know, middle, middle slider um, that he dumped into uh, the right center gap. But I could not be happier for a guy like that. I know some Brewer fans seem to have a sour taste in their mouth with him the way he left. But people forget he was an all-star for us um, and still has shown plenty of signs of still having stuff left in the tank. So I'm glad it was Travis to clutch up and for me to, to tweet out the photo and for him to bring some tears to my eyes on opening day as I was in the gym and people are staring at me. Um, but the one other point I want to mention and I think it's going to come up a lot and we may touch on it later in the podcast is that California rule, which I think a good census is a lot of people do not like it. Uh, you know, extra innings starting with a runner on second, I would probably in a, be in agreement with that. But one thing that I do want to say specifically to the way our bullpen is built out is that the California rule in a sense gives us an advantage by the way we strike out guys. Hater proved that on um, Thursday because they started with a guy in second and he would have been stranded at second if it weren't for a pass ball because Hater struck everyone out. So um, a lot of teams are not privileged to have two back-end bullpen guys that almost have a 50% K percentage. So that plays hugely in our favor when it comes to those first extra innings when we're starting runners on second, as we proved, you know, we scored in the bottom of the 10th. So if we do get into a lot of extra inning games and Hater and Devin are fresh, I like our chances there because they strike everyone out. So that's just an interesting note that I want people to note going forward that, you know, we can be yeah. against the California rule, but let's play it in our favor with the way our bullpen's constructed. So. Yeah. I think some people dislike it. I honestly don't really give a shit um, as long as the rules normal in the playoffs, um, you know, counter the people that dislike it. Um, it does save your bullpen from those, you know, crazy 16 inning games where you're using up many guys. And I don't know who knows. I mean, there's pros and cons to it. I personally, it's like, whatever Um, it is what it is. And I do think we have a legit advantage as you just pointed out. So um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my stance on it. Boss, do you have anything uh, on that or uh, any other takeaways from opening day? Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of indifferent about the California rule. I mean, make a good point that just so it's normal for the playoffs. Um, But yeah, I mean, First game opening day at AmFam. I mean, we I was already riding the roller coaster, man. I mean, I think I was talking about cutting Keston, cutting other players, and um, I was You're not, not the only one that uh, I know that's messaged me about Keston. I've had well, I I just do want to say um, we we are getting a good amount of love from the podcast, and I've had more people reach out um, about the Brewers this weekend than I've had like the last four years combined. Um, so I think it's good to get the conversation rolling. It kind of sucks that, you know, we rolled that high on opening day and kind of put two duds up and struck out a shitload the last two days. Um, but I'm confident that this team is still very good. Um, but anyways, boss proceed. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were, I was riding that low. I was pretty down the dumps. I didn't really think we were going to do much in the ninth. I know we kind of took bets on if we were going to get false hope, if we were just going to go quietly and everyone said false hope. And then, started getting guys on and then yelling and then we we're saying uh get two on for 22 and sure mm-hmm. shit that happens and he comes up I was holding my kid at the time actually and he was like fast asleep I mean the game was just kind of just rolling on and uh that off the bat I think BA thought it was way out I thought I personally thought it was off the pot window but um I don't know if I had some top spin or whatever but I like jumped up I'm like let's fucking go holy shit holy shit and then my kid like immediately like 
split split second just started screaming the top of his lungs so i mean it just it's just what's gonna happen it's gonna happen for 162 games i mean he's gonna have to it's, live with it i told bus today that every day you know when the birds are playing it's time hudson's gonna have to go in the swing get them rocking and just right in front of the tv and we got to teach him early like hey these three hours our eyes are glued to the tv like we'll feed you we'll give you your bottle but hey this is like you're in your swing i'm in my chair right next to you and we're grinding through this game <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Hudson's gonna have a hell of a summer watching his uh, his dad freak out every single day. Every um, pitch. Hanson, you yeah. Hanson, you mentioned one point, and I think we could probably go here next because uh, it happened all series long, but it started on Thursday. And uh, another shout out, thanks for all the Twitter interaction um, to everyone that listens to the podcast. We will try to get to all the questions that are tweeted at us. So uh, the AA Iran tweeted at us, what are our thoughts or concerns um, after the first weekend um, with, with Keshin? Um, so I want to start out on a positive note, positive note with Keshin. He looked actually really good at first base defensively. Uh, he made a scoop on Thursday um, from like, I think it was the first play that Wong had as a brewer. It's like funny. We talk about how good he is defensively in his first play or his first chance for a put out. He bobbles it and spikes one in the dirt and catch had a very clean, clean pick over there, which I never thought was going to be an issue with the way his hands have been playing second base. Um, so after the first weekend and, and he's going to have, uh, issues over there and, and, you know, he's going to make mistakes early on. That's kind of to be expected, but he actually looked pretty solid over there. Um, he's got some he, really good hands. So I think that still can't, he still can't throw. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, it's made an air today throwing. Yeah. Like yeah. you're not going to see like first baseman having to make that throw too often, but of course it's a crucial part of the game. Rasmussen unfortunately comes in, walks the leadoff guy, which you never want to do. Um, and then immediately like a ground ball, Keston fields it well, and it was hard hit at him and then just throws a very inaccurate ball that Luis has to dive for. Um, and kind of started their their rally. So uh, you're you're exactly right. His like everything that a typical first baseman like scooping those in between hops, like fielding the position, right? He's totally fine with. And then the second you make that motherfucker throw a baseball, <laughs> yeah, I think he just has a heart attack. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that 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 obviously hasn't gone away, and that's ultimately probably why they wanted to move him to first two to, to limit that his arm talent but um now kind of what everyone's been waiting on or asking about is catching at the plate um and yeah i mean it's it's three games so and Keshin's going to have a long long leash because you know he's a power option he was a top prospect for us he's proven all through all levels that he can hit um for an elite um for elite pop um but his strikeout percentage is is concerning he showed it even in 2019 his good year he struck out at a 30.7 percent clip last year was 34.6 and now he's struck out six of his first 11 at bats six of um, 11. yeah six of 11 and and again saturday he ran into a pitcher that had all his stuff going and stuff like that but um, he just seems so lost at the plate and it, it's like, it's to the point right now where it's like, he showed it in spring that he, he kind of found it and he hit, um, really well in spring actually, in terms of power numbers and stuff, but, um, his strikeout percentage is concerning. And if he can't get that under control, you really have to wonder, um, where in the lineup does he make the most sense? I know he's kind of our middle of the order bat and he produces a lot of power, but we can't have Keston coming up in big spots in front of Christian with rallies building and having him strike out. We just can't have that. 
And I'm hoping that he can get it under control and he can get his timing down because it looks like his leg kicks a little bit off right now. Um, but he's getting blown away by fastballs. And it's to the point now where it's like, I think it's in his head and now he's missing the off-speed pitches that he usually just absolutely barrels. So um, I'm not going to freak out yet because it's been three games, but Keshin's had strikeout issues pretty much his entire career. So, um, and it's shown in, at least in the first series that he hasn't really um, fixed that. I mean, he's kind of one of those guys that, um, he'll go through these stretches where he'll punch out a bunch, but then he'll carry out, carry the brewers for a week, week or two weeks. And like, right. he'll have like six bombs and a two week span. He'll just be barreling everything. I mean, he did face Barrios and Maeda first two games. I mean, they both made yeah. the whole entire brewers lineup look stupid, but, um, hit a couple balls hard today. That ball down the, down the third baseline. I think it was fair. I don't know about you. I mean, watching that replay, I thought it was right over the bag Of course, CB Buckner doing us dirty again, but uh, yeah. uh, I'm not too worried about it yet. I mean, he'll figure it out. He's a professional. I mean, everyone's punching out a bunch right now. Everyone has time, their own timing thing, right? And hitters' stances are all different. But do you guys think that his what makes him great is obviously like his, his leg kick and his ability to drive the ball the other way. But do you guys think that that's also like his biggest weakness too, is that like you just see – it almost looks like he, he just like – there were times on Saturday where his like – front leg wouldn't even plant before he was already like it was already going to be a strikeout because the catcher was already like closing his glove do you guys see that as something that he potentially changes or um you know makes little tweaks to to work on getting that down so he can just get his barrel to the zone quicker yeah i would like to see a sorry go ahead like yeah i mean he just strikes out so often it's like hey man like some of these times you get with two strikes, just like limit that, like get that foot down is a lot sooner and just put the ball in play every now and then. Right. I, mean, I know like we have him, we switch him to first base. You're expecting him to hit doubles, hit, you know, extra bases, home runs, drive in those runs. Um, and yeah, you're just not seeing it. And him in the two hole makes zero sense. Um, I hope that changes. I would like to see him, you know, in this cub series, hitting like five, the five or six hole for a few games, like move them down, ease up the pressure, like put Urias or JBJ in the two hole for a couple nights or Avi. I don't care. I don't care. Just move them down to ease the pressure and let him, let him rake a little bit and get his confidence up. I was going to say, who's your guy's ideal two hitter? Cause I think we're all in agreement that Kessin doesn't make any sense in the two spot, the way he strikes out, especially you don't want that in front of Christian. Who's your ideal with well, the way that roster is currently constructed. Who's your ideal two hitter? Man, I, I like Luis. I mean, uh, he impressed me today. He had a, he had a double, right? A double. And he had two really good at bats where he worked like seven, eight pitches and walks um, I, I mean, if he's going to put the ball in play and see those pitches and spray the ball over all over the yard, I mean, that's like if you like his ceiling being in that two hole. Right. Contact wise, for sure. Um, they tried Travis there on was it Saturday. And I don't mind that. I don't mind that. I like him. He sees pitches. He puts together solid at bats like I just need someone with a better OBP and a lower strikeout percentage than Keston Hira um, in, in my two hole. 
Right. No, I, I agree. Um, and, and I wonder if they ever look at bringing Lil Kane back there, if Lil Kane kind of shows, you know, 2018-ish uh, type yeah. stuff right at the plate. Um, he's uh, typically a great contact guy, and he's just like – he gives professional at-bats. That's what I want in the two spot. I want guys fighting off pitches. I want guys just, con- you know, aiming more for contact where it's just like catching in a two spot, like – what is Keshin ceiling like 35 bombs where it's like why do you even want that in the two spot anyways if he's going to be a 35 percent 40 percent k guy but could give you 35 bombs why do you want that in the two hole anyways right yeah, i mean i think cc i mean he's always kind of like that like power spot in the two hole wasn't moustakis in the two hole for a while i mean when he was with us well Trey, the thing with trey council too is <laughs> he'll never have like a set five guys and keep them there like, I feel like back in the day, um, like we used to have five guys that played every day. That was one, two, three, four, five, like Prince Fielder, Ryan Braun, Ricky Weeks, Corey Hart, like that core was like every day. And now basically mm-hmm. the only thing that you can bank on um, is Yelich in the three hole. Right. <laughs> and right now Colton Wong leading off, which I do like, um, you know, he, he was fine. He had a couple of hits this weekend. Um, he'll be good. Like I, I still love that. He had some good at-bats. He struck out a little bit too, um, but so did everyone. Uh, So, um, yeah, basically right now the the regulars is Yelich at three, Wong at leadoff, and Hira has been two games in the two-hole and one game in the four-hole, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, we're hoping for a big week for Keston, three games against Cubs, three against the Cardinals. Um, so we're going to need some production out of him for sure. Favorable pitching matchups in those first two games, I would say too, from a Chicago standpoint. Um, yeah, and we're missing, we're missing, uh, Flaherty. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're missing Flaherty. And, uh, if anyone's paid attention around the central, the, the Cardinals got, shack nazzled um they they got fucking beat around the yard like 12 runs 11 runs um and i their pitching staff is underwhelming dude yeah. um i don't know if we this is where we want to jump in we might save it for a little bit uh, do you guys have any other takeaways um we kind of touched on today's game a little bit uh mitchell do you want to talk about hauser's start and what you liked uh from him today yeah, um, I said the train for the Hauser hype train left at 110 today. So I hope everyone bought their tickets because if you don't, I'm not giving you an extra one. Um, we're out of tickets. We've left. Um, you know, t- today was a day that I was incredibly pleased with because I felt like Hauser didn't have his command that he usually did, but he still pitched, uh, I would say, incredibly well. The thing about Hauser is, though, is, is on days like this, he's not going to get a lot of strikeouts. He's not a big strikeout pitcher to begin with. Um, but the movement that he presents on all of his pitches causes him to miss a lot of barrels, especially with the way we are now defensively with, you know, the additions of Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. is ultimately why I think Hauser is going to have a good year. And I felt like that today where Hauser didn't have his elite stuff, yet he only gave up two runs. So if we are going to get essentially, I know he didn't hit six innings for the quality start thing, but if Hauser is going to consistently on his, I would say, see stuff, give us two to three runs, like wait until Hauser starts locating all of those pitches and is able to, you know, get ahead in counts. That's Hauser's one of Hauser's biggest problems is he gets behind in counts, you know, gets down one Oh, two Oh, then he has to throw, get me over fastballs. And that's usually when he gets hit, but 
when Hauser starts kind of finding that groove, that's where I kind of am starting to, or why I was, you know, talking about the hype train leaving. Um, so it was good to see him on a day where he didn't have his stuff. He still pitched. Um, he worked, worked hitters. Um, you know, he worked through the lineup and only gave up two runs. And ultimately, if you're a starting pitcher and you're getting through five, six innings, only giving up two runs, you should have the lead, the lead when you're giving it over to the bullpen. Uh, offense just kind of failed him today, as they did all weekend. Yeah, the offense was particularly frustrating today. Um, you know, when we saw this first, the first few matchups, we knew that Thursday and Saturday were going to be grinded out type of games. If we we wanted to split those, we ultimately did. And then we kind of circled Pineda as a guy who had a rough spring, didn't really throw a whole lot, um, hasn't really been uh, a top-tier pitcher and kind of just like a man, he's, he's a big presence on the mound, but he doesn't have electric stuff. Kind of circled this one as like a get right day. And that just, uh, it didn't happen. Um, you know, props to him. He threw the ball pretty well, uh, but we were chasing sliders all over the place and ultimately like didn't really put together a whole lot of good at bats and, and especially not a string of them. So that's where I kind of said, it's like, you know, flush it. It's early, um, three games in. Uh, so we'll have a, a better idea of facing a little bit lesser competition on the Hill this next week. Um, seeing where we're at next, next Sunday, a week from now, really. And, and let's not take anything away from the twins. I think that's the team that, uh, we just did the preseason predictions and I don't remember if I took the twins or the white Sox, but after this first weekend, I mean, the, the twins are still a good ball club. So they, they have some good pole bend pieces. Their lineup's still good. And Nelson Cruz didn't even play really um, because of the, the DH not being there. So cool. So we got a roundup on the first weekend. Like I've mentioned, we got the Cubs coming up, uh, a road trip to Chicago um, for the next three days. And then we go to St. Louis for the weekend. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, that here to kind of uh, round out the first half of the show. Um, so tomorrow we got uh, Trevor Williams against uh, against Brett Anderson. Then we got Freddie Peralta against Adbert Elzelay. And then we got uh, Woody against Hendricks, a rematch of last year's opening day. Um, so with that being said, do we have any thoughts? Um, this is a huge fucking week. I mean, it's, uh, it's April, it's three games in, but we go right against our arch rivals back-to-back series. Um, games that we just need to, we need to win these series. Yeah. I mean, we got what Trevor Williams on the Hill for Chicago tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, CC had a quote, I mean, based on the weekend, I mean, everyone was frustrated. You could tell he was frustrated. McKelvey actually tweeted out and he says, we have to do a better, a better job against starting pitchers. Our starters pitch pretty good. We just couldn't get a lead ever. I mean, that yeah. seems, I mean, that seems like a, pretty big shot at his offense, like indirect shot, but I mean, everybody knows it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tomorrow against Williams, um, like six ten start, I think looks like the, we're, I'm just looking at the wind direction right now, blowing out dead center, nine miles an hour. I think the offense is going to take off tomorrow and we're going to put a, put a, put a 10 spot on uh, Mr. Williams. I mean, and then get the offense rolling. It's nice knowing that Anderson's pitching tomorrow too, because if he's right, he gets a lot of ground balls where it doesn't really mm-hmm. impact him uh, yeah. getting the ball up in the air. So yeah, that's a good point. Brewers are slight underdogs tomorrow, which seems wrong to be honest. But Brewers just against Noodle on Brett Anderson, I guess. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, I will say this, though. The Cubs still have a ton of power in that lineup, even though they are manipulating uh, Nico Horner's service time right now. Uh, Chris Bryant's kind of proving to be out with a vengeance. Uh, he had a really good weekend uh, this weekend. He's playing in a contract year. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, the, the Cubs are – um, they, they do a lot to my heart rate every single year, 19 times a year, just because I always like circle these games and I just like get super hyped up for, for them. And Hanson, I actually think you're going to be at the game on Wednesday, aren't you? Tomorrow. I'm going to see, uh, I'm going to see our guy, Brett Anderson in person. Um, yeah, just bought some tickets on Saturday night and I'll be driving down to Chicago to, to see a, a Brewers dub. So um, yeah, yeah, man. Um, it's a big series. Uh, we're facing their rookie Elzale, um, game two. And I'm, I'm like, you get fired up about Adrian Hauser at probably the same level that I'll wake up, uh, for Freddie Peralta's start. Um, he's just so electric dude. And he's so fun to watch his case struts, um, the joy, the energy that he pitches with. I mean, it's must see television for me. Um, and let's do this exercise real quick. I know we only got like five, six minutes left, but rank the excitement level of those four guys uh, when you wake up in the morning of their starts. So between Burns, Woody, Peralta, Hauser, how excited do you get about each of their starts? Bus, no you can start first. No offense to Anderson too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, good. judging on uh, Burns' first, first start, first time out, I mean – He's That's number he's, one. He, That's a collective yeah, number yeah. one. You can't have anyone above him. I mean, he's like no hit potential every time out, solely based on this last outing. And we don't know how good he can get. I mean, he's kind of got that effort, effortless cheese. Um, he's hitting like 99. Um yeah. I think Freddie Peralta's too. I mean, the dude just has fun playing baseball. Like he's out there smiling. He'll throw a nasty pitch for him and they'll call it a ball, and he'll just like laugh and like be like, nice, nice call up. Yeah. But uh when he, gets, when he gets that lather on his chest and on his arms, you know, it's go time for him. Um, <laughs> for the fans at home, once he gets that lather, that's when he's locked in. And uh, but he got it three, uh, probably Woody, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has to be, I mean, no slander yeah, to Brett Anderson. Uh, yeah. But... I was going to say, let's, uh, let's ease up on the Woody slander. Um, you know, I, not, it's not even slander. It's just like, uh, Mitchell, I think I kind of get pissed at you sometimes when you, <laughs> when you, when you make comments about Woody, cause I still fucking love that guy. And he's a gamer. Um, your biggest knock on him is that he struggles putting guys away, which I mean, there's prime example game number one of the year where, uh, our number one last four innings, um, gave up three runs and, you know, wasn't particularly sharp. Um, but Mitchell, what's your rankings here? Yeah, and I want to start this by saying my slander to Woodruff isn't that I don't love him. I mean, I will. No, I know, I know, I know. He's still one of our front horses and and has probably the highest floor out of all of our starting pitchers. Like, you know what you're going to get out of him. floor is sky high with him. Right, right. He's going to give you, you know, five, six innings of like three runs, maybe four runs max. Like, that's his floor. Like, he just, he's a gamer. Um, but this ranking, just to clarify, is the pitchers you're most excited for right yeah. now. Right? Right. Yes, yes. So, so, yeah, obviously Corbin's number one just because he has that no-hit potential every single time he goes out there. So it's no no-brainer. Yep. The leader uh, and the conductor of the Adrian Hauser uh, hype You're a Hauser guy, man. I have to put Hauser number two. Like, what kind of – I cannot get there. You know, listen, I'm 
I'm not, I'm going to be real with you right now. I'm trying to get there and you probably sensed it with some of my tone and the messages in the first inning. I'm, I'm on the train, but I'm like, I'm hanging off of it. (laughs) You're in one of the the back carts. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah, man. I I do want to get there. I really do. Um, But sometimes uh, I don't know. I don't know the lack of the strikeout stuff, but I know his game is pitching the contact and the power sinker. Um, but yeah, I, I hope you're right on him. I really do. Right. No. And that's, that's ultimately why he's number two, just because it's like, like I've been on him since pretty much yeah. we got from Houston. So he's my number two. Um, Freddie is number three, just because you said you can see like his passion and his enjoyment on his face. And that's not a knock to people that don't share that. It's just like you watch him play and you're like, wow, there's, you know, a, a person out there that's absolutely loving what he's doing. So Freddie's number three. Yeah. And to no knock, and, you know, Woodruff is by far our second best pitcher, highest floor pitcher. He's just number four for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Corbin's number one for me. Uh, Woody is still in that two spot. I still think Woody is a a top-notch MLB pitcher, and that showed up in some of the biggest moments. Uh, Freddie is a close third, and Hauser is a distant fourth, but he's still in the excitement level, so – that's just where we're at personally. It's uh, it's good to have some conversation and some disagreements on, we don't have to be in a hundred percent cahoots about everything. So um, it's good to have some, some conversation where we're not exactly on the same page. Um, cool. Uh, th- let's go over the Cardinals pitching matchups real quick. Um, we got Wainwright and Corbin on Thursday. Is this another day off on Friday type deal? I think so. We have awful lot of Fridays in April. That should be illegal. Right. It is. What's up with that, man? Friday days off. Interesting. Yeah, off this Friday, too. Uh, yeah. They don't even have their probables up. So, um, I mean, I'm assuming whoever started game three will match up against Hauser and then so forth. So, do the math. I don't know. I'm not scared of anyone uh, minus Flaherty, and we're missing him. So, I'm never saying I'm not afraid of anyone ever again. Side note. Yeah. I, okay. As I wasn't afraid of Barrios or Buxton. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're done with being not afraid of people. We're afraid All right. of everyone. All right, boys. Well, the second half of the podcast, um, I think some of uh, some of our fans will enjoy, hopefully all of them, but we have a couple of friends on, uh, one a diehard fan and one that's kind of rejoining, uh, watching the Brewers after a couple year hiatus. Um and just brought some good questions and conversation to the table. So hope everyone enjoys that. And uh, we'll see you guys next Sunday and go Brewers. Big week. Let's cook. Let's fucking go. Let's cook. All right. What's up friends. We have uh, the second half of the pod here uh, invited a couple, couple buddies on. We got uh, Brandon Winfield and Charlie uh, on board for a little round table discussion, just uh, going over some, you know, thoughts from the opening series this weekend, um, some questions, some hot takes, and uh, we're going to get the five of us kind of bouncing some ideas and conversations off of each other. So thank you boys for, uh, for joining us. How are we doing? We're good. We're good. Thanks for having us on fellas. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a necessity for me here. Uh, really been wanting to get on and Charlie gave me the push. So. Yeah, it's an honor and a privilege to be on such an upcoming up and coming podcast like you guys is. So just glad I can spew what I've been seeing the last few days and see what you guys have to say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so 
Yeah, Brewers, um, they win a thriller on opening day. Um, awesome. You know, walk off after Travis Shaw ties up the game in the ninth uh, after the Twins have a few airs themselves. Um, Saturday, we saw an electric pitching duo um, of Burns and Berrios uh, battling back and forth, a combined no-hitter going in the seventh and end up losing a close game. Buxton goes yard a couple times on Thursday and Saturday. And then today, uh, the game kind of gets away from, from the Brewers after Keston, after a walk by Raz and Keston throwing air and then Sano goes deep and the, the game's all of a sudden a blowout. So Brewers start one and two. They're in Chicago and St. Louis this week. Um, but uh, wanted to hear your thoughts on, I guess, uh, what takes and questions uh, you boys were pressing and itching to get uh, off your chest here. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let Charlie go. Uh, he told me that he has a, uh, a notepad of things that he's been writing yeah. down since yeah. opening day. So yeah. I know he's got some things that he needs to I get have out. some things yeah. locked up. I'll start with the Brewers stuff. Okay. Number one, I mean, Burns is – trajectory to be the ace is well on its way are we all in agreement on that I think Woodruff and I, mean, I follow the Brewers that he's the same guy three years in a row he's 100 pitches by the fifth inning and then he's using up four innings of bullpen you'll get one good start where he gets seven deep shoves zero runs but I, we, I've seen too much of the first game here where and I see more of Burns being better so thoughts on Burns ace Woodruff not going down but more plateaued yeah, I mean, we were we literally were having this discussion today, and I think we were gonna gonna talk about this uh, before oh. you guys even jumped on. So I love it. Um, yeah, Mitch L has been on this this train for a while, and he gets irritated when Woody pitches because he can't put guys away. And I try to tell him to ease off a little bit, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think next, I think this is Woody's last year as opening day starter. Is what I my exact text message to the group today. So, I mean, Burns is just he, – he's got that next level in him that I don't know if Woodruff does. Yeah, I love – I absolutely love the hot take uh, about uh, Woodruff plateauing because I guess I haven't looked at it in that sense, but I've been kind of one of those day one guys, and maybe it's just more of my text frustrations where Woody's got good front-line stuff, but I think what he struggles with is what you nailed on the head is he struggles at times to put guys away and guys just spoil off pitches where he gets deep into, into count six, seven, eight, nine pitches, or before you know it, you're already in the fifth inning and what he's, especially early on, it's like, shit, he's at 80, 90, hundred pitches and he's going to get pulled. And now you start taxing the bullpen. So um, that's the huge difference between Corbin and Woodruff is Corbin's stuff, especially you saw on Saturday. I mean, he can throw that shit in the zone and they're not, they're missing. There's no way that barrel's touching that. So um, I'm right there with you and uh, in complete agreement where Woodruff is going to be a great, front end rotation piece for us, but he's not that ace. He's like tier three, tier four starter for me. I mean, yeah, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I'm sure that you all saw uh, the pitching ninja and the content that he was throwing out uh, 97 mile an hour cutters coming just right at your hands back door. It, it's gross. I mean, it made me want to throw up and I can only imagine the three of you guys sitting in AmFam the the long islands were flowing and what was coming out of your guys's mouths and going on in your heads so i'm, I'm excited to hear uh bus's take on on what he saw from corbin <laughs> yeah the the funny thing is uh 
Hanson and I were sitting pretty close to Mitch. He was just a deck up and literally every strikeout, we just kept looking at each other. We were just counting the strikeouts on his fingers when, you know, and Patrick Mahone's through six touchdowns, we just kept doing it. Everyone was looking at us. I know Mitch had some girls eyeing him up and they're like, what is he doing? It's like, no, we're just counting, we're just counting K's baby. Yeah. There was like uh, three, three girls sitting in a section over to me, like right next to me. And I could hear him talking to me like, who does he keep like finger signing to? Is he like laying signs to the team? Like they probably thought I was cheating or something. I'm like, no, I'm just counting K's over here. Yeah. I think it was, uh, he had 12, 11, 12, right? Yeah, uh, eleven, and they were just piling up. They, I was sitting there, and it was it was the first uh, national semifinal was going, and then or was getting into the Gonzaga game. Sorry, and I, I think I said to my buddy, I'm like, I'm not turning this game off. Like Burns is absolutely rolling. Unfortunately, you know Barrios was rolling on the other side, but it was it was a pleasure to watch, and some would say it was fun to watch. We, we talk about, we talked about it on the last pod too. It's like outside of the guy we're going to see tomorrow. And I hope Brett Anderson is a key piece for us and just misses barrels and gets a lot of ground balls, but it's like, I haven't been, and I've been a diehard Brewer fan since pretty much since I could walk. And I haven't been a fan where I've been this excited for multiple guys in our rotation to start. It's like, I wake up every morning, like shit, it's Hauser day. Shit. It's Corbin day. It's Woodruff day. Freddie now with his added slider and his spin rate with his fastball. It's like, we have four guys in our rotation that just get me absolutely amped up. It's like, is it six ten yet? Is it seven ten yet? I just want it to be game time. So um, yeah. we have a rotation to uh, really look forward to going forward. And the yeah, scary thing there. is, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, dude. Yeah. Scary thing is we don't really know where Burns ceilings at. I mean, we kind of were looking for him to take the next step this year. And obviously he did that in his first time out, but this could be like every fifth day we could get this, we could get 10 punchies every time out. And that's scary. That's super scary to think about. He, he's, he's younger than order of two, right? He's like Corbin's like 25 and Woodruff's like 27 or 28. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, Hauser looked good today. I mean, he threw five innings, gave up a couple of earned runs. Um, could be a, a little bit more sharp, but Council's pulling guys with with some lower pitch counts than normal um, with, you know, going from 60 games to 162. But I was impressed with him. He settled in after that first inning. He get he hung that slider and yeah, settled in nicely. And then Freddie's outing was like such a typical Freddie Peralta outing out of the bullpen day one. Um, six strikeouts and two innings and three walks and got out of a bases loaded jam. So hopefully, you know, I'm Tuesday in Wrigley he's a little bit more sharp and limits the walks and it could be an electric outing from him um cool what else uh good first question um what else you got here uh what day over under we'll go with June 1st do you guys start to get concerned about the fact that nobody are the key lineup members can't hit <laughs> well that's, what us, that's assuming that Kesson here is striking out every at bat until June and now let you has a 50% K rate through June as well, or through they, they couldn't really hit last year either. And I'm, I'm starting to get a little worried that here, uh, Yelich, uh, and those guys are, are, this is a long slump. The Yelich thing is kind of weird too. He hasn't been part opening day. He was, uh, hit a couple of lasers and yeah. then he had that hit today. That was like more so like a routine ground ball, like that just found a hole in the shift. But he's striking out a lot too. <laughs> he has six strikeouts, 
Kessin has six strikeouts. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not ideal. Keston, Keston worries me a lot more than Yelich does, obviously. I was I was just about to say that. I think you got to – I'm the biggest Christian Yelich fan. I mean, my cat's name is Yelly after the MVP. So, um, the slander on Yelich's name, I've, I've heard it since It's not slander. Year. I want him to be good. Okay. The, <laughs> the comments, the questions, the concerns, um, I'm not too worried. The guy's a professional baseball player. He's a pro. He's a pro's pro. He's going to get it done. You'll see it happen. What needs to happen, though, is he needs some help around him. He can't go up there with Keston Hira striking out, not putting a ball in play, and then, hey, Yelly, we need, we need, you, to, need you to do it every time. That's my thoughts. I texted Hanson today. Is Keston broken? <laughs> he, he, he looks broken. And I, I don't mean to be Mr. Overreacting after three games, but the strikeout numbers are there. It scares me. I, I, that's my take. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm right on board with that. And that was a, a key conversation point we've had all we had all weekend. And like you said, it was three games this weekend, especially one of the days. I mean, you have to tip your cap to Barrels on Saturday. The dude had his stuff and everyone was striking out. I think four of Yelich's strikeouts came on Saturday. Um, so I think that day was a little bit of anomaly for our team. But if there is one guy that I am concerned with, or I think everyone's concerned with is, is Keston. I mean, he kind of always had that problem coming up through the minors, it wasn't as bad as what it is now. He kind of broke onto the scene right away in 2019 and, and kept it under control. But last year it kind of ballooned. And it's just like the biggest thing for me, there's, there's two takeaways from this weekend. The first one was, it looks like his leg kick, his kind of his timing thing is so off. And I don't know if I noticed it last year or in 2019, but they always say that he's a great off-speed hitter, maybe the best off-speed hitter on the team, but he really struggles with the fastball. And it looks like at times that he can't even get his leg down by the time that the ball is already almost to the catcher's mitt. So there's no chance he's going to get a swing on it. And there was times, I think, on Saturday, I made a comment to the guys. I'm like, I think he swung when the catcher was squeezing his mitt. Um, so that's the concern for me. And, and the second part that I thought was interesting was, and CeCe's a genius, and I love the way that our baseball ops team kind of just let CC take the reins and the, the roster they built him. But the interesting thing for me is putting Keston in front of Christian doesn't make too much sense, sense because he's a huge strikeout guy with huge pop. So it's like either Keston's going to hit a bomb and Christian's going to come up with no one at uh, on base or Keston's going to strike out and Christian's still coming up with no one on base. So it's just, I feel more comfortable, especially with Keston struggling, if we move him down in the order and we bring up a guy like Urias or, you know, I, I kind of like Travis Shaw there because he's got great plate discipline. I don't know if he gets on base enough at this point in his career, but someone that can just consistently put the ball in play and hopefully we get some good bat so Christian can have opportunities to drive guys in. Yeah, Keston in the two-hole doesn't make any sense. I mean, each time he's been put there, we've made comments immediately. He's like, what, what the hell is this? Right. And it worries me because he needs to mash. I mean, moving him from second base to first base, like he needs to be a cleanup five-hole hitter for the next like five years for the Brewers if their offense is ever going to take the next step. Because he's, you know, your number one pick. We struck out Corey Ray as irrelevant in the system. Like there's that gap where like you need Keston Hira to be an elite bat. And because we don't have third baseman in the system, we don't have first baseman in the system. So Keston's kind of kind of there and he it's his spot. I mean, he's gonna have a long ass leash there. So 
hopefully, yeah. uh, hopefully the 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 Keston of which he hit two oppo bombs against Walker Bueller in the span of like 30 minutes comes out uh, this week here. Yeah, and let's not forget that too. I mean, yeah. two oppo bombs off of Walker Bueller, the guy can hit. Okay, yeah. we're not we're not saying that he can't hit, but you know, yeah. unless we're bringing up Mr. T Rat, <laughs> my guy, we got it. We got a hit. Okay, who's Mr. Yeah. T Rat? <laughs> Tyrone Taylor. <laughs> is that that is he like a center fielder prospect for him yeah he's been in the he's been on the timber rattlers for a long time and i don't even know if you would consider him a prospect yeah, he's, 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 like, he's 28 yeah he's he's good enough to be on a major league team i mean you know who's swung yeah. the bat well in his three pinch hit appearances is billy mckinney 100 percent. i, I that was him something else i was gonna i was see gonna him get some uh first base run um against some tougher righties who knows he has put a lot of people in except, except for Daniel Vogelbach, which I think he needs some more time out of the diamond. <laughs> Big bogey guy. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, Big we'll Vogelbach. Yeah, we'll see if how long uh, that leash is. I mean, it's like you said, we keep on saying three games. So I think we'll check back in next Sunday and reevaluate the Keston thing. But it's a, it's a big topic amongst a lot of Brewer fans, I think, um, right now. Yeah, I mean, we also we also faced Barrios and Maeda, who are two yeah. top arms in the AL. I mean, Kesson struck out twice today, but he hit a, had a couple good at bats. He lined out to left, and I mean, right center was kind of more of like a fly ball. Today, but today was especially frustrating to look at like Pineda's numbers and like his stuff is just underwhelming. He was throwing that slider, and we kept on chasing it, and it wasn't even near the zone. Yeah, that's why it's like ugh, we really getting diced by fucking Michael Pineda right now. Yeah, talk about talk about some blood boiling as I'm sitting here with a blanket over me on my recliner on Easter Sunday, <laughs> watching Michael Pineda go out there and carve. I'm sitting there thinking we're going to go off. Yankee yeah. legend, yeah. Michael Pineda. Yeah, I mean, if we don't if we don't score some runs in the next three days against the likes of like Trevor Williams, Adbert Alzale, and like Kyle Hendricks, I think we'll see in Game Three. Then, like with that weak ass bullpen that they throw out there in Chicago, like. Then, then we'll start talking about some the the offensive issues again. You bring up the bullpen, and that was something that I wanted to wanted to talk to you guys about. And and this guy's name that I'm going to bring up, he's a former pointer, went to school with Charlie Klum, uh, <laughs> JP Fireheisen, and and Charlie and I were were texting a little bit about this. And to Charlie's credit, he said, you know, is he going to get some run in some high leverage spots? I might have been a Debbie Downer and said, no, I don't I don't think he's a guy that can that you're going to see out there in a game that, that we're winning. I, I took back that statement after I saw him on opening day. And then he threw yesterday. Um, I'm all in on the hype train. I think Yardley is a bum. <laughs> I think that any innings that is going to go to Yardley in a high leverage position should go straight to the pointer, to the Wisconsin kid, to the Wisconsin Rapids rafter, JP Fireheisen. I want your takes on it and I want it now. I'll take I'll take the first I'll take the first stab at this Hanson. Um, I, I'm right there with you on Yardley. Um, the sidearm kind of deceiving type relievers have such a short life. I mean, relievers in general for the most part have have a short shelf life. Um, the sidearm kind of mid 80s try to deceive you have even a shorter life. Um, so yeah, I think the success that we saw from Yardley last year was short lived, and I. I think I even mentioned this on the last pod that the first reliever to kind of get yanked out of the bullpen would be Yardley. Um, it, he kind of lived up to that on opening day. 
Um, but the, the second point, the JP point, it's funny that you mentioned him because I remember specifically when we called him up last year and I was just like, Hey, he's a great story. And I think it was probably nerves. Like, you know, he kind of was finally breaking through. He's pitching for his hometown team. And he was like spiking sliders in the grass. And I'm like, dude, like, it's a great story and all, but like, does this guy really have it? And then his two innings that he's pitched this weekend, I'm like, holy crap. Like, is this like David's lab again? Is this like this another power pen arm that we have? So I would not be shocked at all if he's kind of like last year's top in, in a sense, not from like an indie ball perspective, but that like no name reliever that we have that starts being leveraged in big time roles. If there's a bullpen guy that's shown it after the first three games, it's definitely JP. So I can't see why not, um, especially because we're going to need guys to step up. I mean, obviously, Williams and Hayter have the back end locked up, but then we have a lot of power arms that have great ceilings and great potential. We just need a guy to step up, and JP definitely can be that. Yeah, um, he's yeah thrown two innings, got three strikeouts, one walk, no hits. Um, like Vinny Rotino, he's like doing some Brewer stuff nowadays. He had a tweet that was like, you know, under the radar nugget from opening day was how well he threw his fastball. That was a plus fastball with deception. Like he was impressed with his mound presence. Um, and he's, he's grown out some facial hair now. I didn't, uh, I think that's a big difference maker. He got that big beard going, keep growing that shit out. Um, because he, he just feels like a pitcher out there when he has that out. Um, um boss what do you have do you have anything on uh on jp i would love to see him lock down the seventh inning i i mean i feel like towards the end of spring we were kind of like oh shit jp he's kind of fucking filthy i mean i'm looking yeah. at his st- stats from last year to this year he's got like a two mile per hour uptick in all of his all of his pitches um so i don't know if he's juicing or what or if he's it's just fucking david's lab it's a fucking lab dude it's the point we all have integrity there's there's no juicing going on <laughs> Yeah, the Brewers might have had a little bit of a hot gun. Uh, some I saw some Twitter speculation that uh, when Hader was touching 100 on opening day and, like, Woody was tossing 99 and, you know, some other guys that there was a hot gun going on. But Juice that thing up. Juice it up. Did you have a take on Josh Hader? Yeah, my take on Josh Hader is you sign him to a lifetime deal. The guy <laughs> should not be able to leave Milwaukee. I – here's the thing you're sitting there watching him throw the baseball and he said I love the juice the fans give me the guy's throwing 100 miles an hour I saw Mitch's tweet about all the GM saying oh we think he's lost it blah 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 this you guys couldn't be more wrong hold (laughs) off we are so lucky we didn't trade him last year do not leave let Josh Hader leave Milwaukee Wisconsin ever he's the best he's the best left-handed relief pitcher in baseball and I'm going to go out on a limb here. I know this is a this is a podcast with some very hot takes. He's putting his name up there in the top relievers in all of baseball. Might be the best one in the game. And I don't even think that's very hot. Oh, yeah. I tweeted that he's the best left-handed reliever. Left-handed, for sure, in baseball. I don't even think it's close. But I'm uh, – I, people can probably call me petty. They can call me whatever. I have a photo album in my phone called Receipts where I screenshot tweets of – anti-brewer takes that I just save and memorize in my head and when Murray tweeted out on August 20th of last year so August 20 2020 it was talking about all the GMs that basically are like yeah you know we don't know if haters trade value is what it is his velocity's down to like I think it was down like two miles from the last year and he comes out throwing 
he, he threw his slider a little bit, but then after a while, he's like, I'm fucking touching a hundred. Here it is. Fucking dick, dick high fastball, hundred miles an hour, hit it. And the hitters had no chance. And how not, how good does his hair look? Dude, let's <laughs> let's talk about that. I mean, <laughs> impeccable hair. Corbin too. Corbin's really growing his out. Yeah, he really is. I I think I think these guys have a little bit of uh, fuck you in them, and it starts with one JP's beard and goes straight to the starter's hair. So, and you want to talk about a nice beard? I know you guys don't put out the uh, the videos on these podcasts, but Charlie Charlie Clum might have one of the nicest beards uh-huh. in the room. No offense, Hanson. Oh, that's all right. I have a, it looks like a very pro beard, a very pro beard con, uh, a podcast you guys got. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the only two pitchers we didn't see this weekend were – so Devin Williams because the Brewers uh, the Brewers didn't play with a lead at all. Um, not one inning was played with a lead. Um, opening day was a comeback. Like I said earlier, you know, we had to come back with a couple airs and then a Travis Shaw double in the gap. Um, but D. Will didn't throw, so hopefully we'll see him a few times in Wrigley. Um, and then Boxberger um, also didn't throw an inning. Uh, real quick, before we get to the next thing, um, you guys were saying how Yardley, like, basically should only pitch garbage time innings. Um, he did just that today uh, in a six-run deficit in the ninth. And I'm, I'm pretty much with you guys. I mean, I – I like Yarley, um, you know, side armors, uh, special place in the heart. You know, you got a grinder out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's not very good. Um, he went to Seattle, fun fact, college baseball, played at Seattle. Um, but, yeah, he's a, he's a weird-looking dude. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just not very good. He's kind of sucks. Buxton took him, like, 900 feet. All was mashed. Yeah. Yeah, and we got a really- Sorry, dude. We got a lot of good arms down yeah. in AAA, too. I mean, Perdomo, just to name one. I mean, he's a guy that's going to pitch a lot of innings this year, but Ray Black's another one. Where's the um, lefty that we got from uh, San Diego, too? The starter. Um, oh, Eric Lauer. Oh, yeah. Fuck Eric Lauer. Oh, Eric Lauer. <laughs> oh, he's painting Eric Lauer. his garage. He's painting his garage. He already bought a house in Nashville, and he's there for good. <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned Buxton though. One thing I wanted to point out on Buxton: Buxton is a career 722 OPS uh, hitter. Take a guess what his career OPS is against Milwaukee. Nine eighty. Yeah, eight eight seventy. So dude just kills us. Yeah, he uh, he absolutely does. All right, anything uh, anything else? What else we got here? Do, do you got something here, or can, can I get this? Can I go? Yeah, I, I think we have a couple takes that are around the MLB if that's if that's okay with you guys. And then yeah, and then we'll sure, get back onto your regular schedule. Okay. Okay. G- general general question. And again, I preface this by saying I was a big baseball fan, went away, and now I'm back in the game. And and I realize now that everybody strikes out. And I heard I was listening to one of the games and they were talking about a comment that Theo Epstein made about some ways that they can limit the strikes out and get more balls in play and steals and whatnot. And he mentioned that they were thinking about moving the mound back another foot. Um, so I was just curious because for an average fan, I think watching 20 strikeouts a game can be tough between the two teams. So any thoughts on how we can limit that or, or your general thoughts on the game, I guess, as a whole with, with where it's kind of a boomer bus K or home run situation 
Um, yeah, I guess uh, I can start. I don't, I don't necessarily like them moving the mound. I think that's just weird. I, I don't think it, you know, you play with the same dimensions from when you're 13 until now. And like moving it back a foot is just so awkward. Like you work all your life to like hone your craft and like get your pitches the way you want them to move. And like, yeah, I think that would just like be super weird. Some things I did see that I'm not in favor of, but some people might be is banning shifts. I saw like Francisco Lindor saying that he wants to ban shifts because he wants to make like sick plays, <laughs> which I think is kind of funny, but yeah, um, that that's an interesting one. I would like that more so than moving the mound back, but I don't necessarily like any of them. I just hope hitters just are able to put the ball in play more often. Well, to be well, honest, and I know that they were saying that like there's more people that that throw whatever ninety. 95 plus now than ever How, like where did that come from too I, it's gen i guess general evolution of an athlete but it seems like because like the royals won by hitting for contact like five years ago only so all of a sudden like the contact part of the game seems completely gone and it's either you hit a home run or nothing so it just seems like it, it happened really fast where that shift happened so Right. And I think the advanced analytics had a lot, have a lot to do that the way data, just data analytics in general have really kind of taken the front seat in the game. Um, so I, I don't know if that's playing a part where they're just telling guys, Hey, if you go one for four with three strikeouts, but you end up driving a ball in the gap or over the fence, we'll take that. Um, but yeah, the, the contact type hitters are far and few between. I, I do think the Brewers have some Luis Urias comes to mind as a guy that kind of just gives professional ABs, you know, makes contact, spoils off tough pitches. Colton Wong's another one. Um, the thing that I will say, and I don't know how it's going to play out or what actually has changed because they didn't really clarify, but they talked about deadening the baseballs this year. Um, and if that's the case that they actually did that and we see home runs drop, but the K rates are still up, then that makes zero sense to me. Um, if, if they want to see more balls in play or get the wow factor to kind of get those average fans back, then we're going to need the 500 foot home runs. We're going to need the holy shit, John Carlos Stanton just hit a ball to Mars. Um, and if they're deadening baseballs, but yet they want, you know, more wow stuff, that just doesn't make sense. So it's like we kind of hear a lot of these like rumblings and rumors from a lot of different names around baseball. Um, but there's never, never really anything concrete. But the moving the mound back thing scares me because now you have pitchers that are like, do they feel like they have to like change their arm angles to like make sure it's crossing the plate at the same point? Then you have to worry about injuries it would just be something that would be, I think, more problematic than good. So if they are going to do anything, I would just say stop deadening the baseballs if that's what they are doing. I didn't, I haven't ever seen anything confirmed about that, but, but I agree. I mean, we can't have um, guys going up there striking out at almost 50% clips because you are losing a lot of the casual fans. I mean, for the diehard Saturday was awesome. You see this pitching duel, but it's like, you know, if you're someone trying to get into baseball and you're like, this is baseball, everyone just strikes out and they just switch off striking out. So uh, I get the point there. And they, they have to, I think, look at that long term. I uh, I agree with Hanson. I agree with the whole thing. If you move the mound back, that's the dumbest thing you could do. I, I, I also think it wouldn't be beyond baseball to do that. Um, oh. <laughs> one, <laughs> we approved the California rule into this year. This is another thing I wanted to talk about. I'm sitting there on opening day and I'm, I literally said, we're still doing this California rule. We're out here in Waukesha at the five, at the five diamonds playing Brad Henney's tournament. And, and I'm putting my last out on, on second base, telling Jimmy that he's got to hit a base sit to the right side, sack fly, get him in. I mean, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. And then you look at 
you look at no DH. So we're yeah. going to approve the California rule, but not the, not the DH. It, it's, it, I saw you, Darvish, said, I have faith in baseball that they'll do the right thing and bring the DH. He had absolutely zero conviction in saying that, and he didn't believe it because Rob Manfred is a complete idiot. <laughs> he, he's not going to do anything to improve. Moving the mound back, sure, yeah, let's have guys blow out left and right. <laughs> and, now we're, and now we're seeing guys throw it. I need to fun. Fun. That's not fun. Uh, yeah, I yeah. said. I said if if one of my pitchers gets hurt again, we have had the worst luck when it comes to pitchers hitting. Junior Guerra got hurt on opening day. You know, messed up his hamstring trying to run to first or his his uh, calf, I think. Obviously, Jimmy Nelson was going to be like our horse. Like he was our first guy. He gets hurt sliding back into the bag, and I think we had another pitcher that got hurt. I swear, if one of our horses gets hurt at the plate. I will personally bring back my Vexum from 2011, the Beezer bat, and swing as hard as I can at Madfred's kneecap. 100%. It's a really nice bat. I <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a go-to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I, and, and I don't mean to get too crazy, but it's just, it's, it's just absolutely insane that they would and feel, yeah, hey, I'm going to leave the Cubs and throw out this absolutely wild take. You're an idiot, Theo. You're an idiot. <laughs> Here, here's something for you guys, and, and I'll let you take credit on the fact that it was on your podcast that this was announced. Theo Epstein is going to be the next commissioner of baseball once Rob Manfred is done. I will, I would bet a good amount of money on that. And then he's going to move the mound back a foot, and he's going to have injuries ridden throughout. Well, you better hope he doesn't be commissioner. Yeah, that's your commissioner. <laughs> <laughs> it's I have a lot of takes on on uh, Theo just because it's like. The dudes went to two places. I know he broke curses, but like he went to two places with very deep pockets, did whatever he could to get them in the World Series and left them in shitty situations, a shit ton of bad contracts and just kind of like left them for dead for years. Like the Cubs were supposed to be this next dynasty team and shit. They fucking are uh, average team at best. The Red Sox are now one. They just got swept by the Orioles. Um, so yeah, I mean, outside of the Red Sox, they've obviously won since then, but it's just like, um Theo is yeah he's an interesting name and everyone kind of likes him because he's like the popular pick but yeah I am not a Theo fan and maybe maybe I'm biased but give me Billy Bean as the next commissioner of baseball oh Billy's in soccer now <laughs> he's in soccer now sorry there is, there I, I got I got one more and then I'll let you and then I'll let you guys go at it yeah, we got uh just a time warning we got two and a half minutes here so and then it cuts off yeah, yeah, we're like I said last pod, we're pours and we got uh we got Zoom time limits okay. per session. And if you guys so. got stuff fire away, I got nothing. More. No, no, we got two minutes. So you tell me what you want to talk about. Charlie. I just want to know how soon is too soon to fire Tony Larusa and are the White Sox the most unorganized, unprepared team in baseball? Because I would like I to had, start this. I one. had decent, decent amount of money on, on the White Sox, and I watched Louise Robert have a ball bounce off of his head on Saturday. Correct. I would, I would like to piggyback off of that very quickly. I have a couple, I have a friend and an acquaintance that <laughs> like the White Sox. Um, <laughs> we talked a little bit about it. Apparently Robert is the best player in, that we're ever going to see in our lives. False. He had a Jose Canseco ball off of his forehead. In shallow I wish center, he would have gone, gone over the fence. He deserves it. He's a bum, but I'm sitting here watching the White Sox and the Angels we have the angels over four and a half runs and the money line on the angels, because I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking that the white Sox are going to make five errors and they're going to lose the game. They can score as many runs as they want. Balls are going in between their legs. They're bouncing off their heads. You want to, they're a top five team in baseball. Absolutely not. Absolutely ridiculous. Take 
it's absolutely terrible. I hope the Twins win the Central and the White Sox fans can go cry with the rest of Chicago. I, I love that. And that is an electric way to uh, finish this roundtable. And, uh, boys, this was fun. And uh, we, should, we should do this a lot more often, to be honest. So appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, when you, when you want the average fan on to give you some takes, I'm, I'm always here. So let me know when you need me. <laughs> Get over to hearing the pod drop. Any, any word on when it's going to drop? Probably tomorrow morning. Fantastic. Tomorrow morning. All right. Take Peace care, Thanks, Thanks, guys. Nobody on the road. Nobody on the beach. <laughs>